Hello and welcome to Zero Points Articulated, a podcast about vampires and the mystical make-believe land of Paris. I'm Jimmy. <laughs> I'm Rob. I'm Brendan. And I'm Eric. I mean, to be fair, Paris is pretty sketch. I, I trust the French. They they proved that the moon is made out of cheese. But it's also blue. It's blue cheese. That's like a mold. I don't see the issue. Gross. The sex house has taught me one thing. We can coexist with mold. I think they, they were dying. They were? <laughs> <laughs> but they made it out all safe, like, at the end. I mean, that one dude died, but, I mean, he deserved it. Man. So, like, I think we need to do the obligatory, completely derail the anime part of this podcast by just mentioning me and Jimmy are still watching The Shield. Yeah. We made it to season three, and things are still pretty fucking wild. It's still pretty <laughs> wild. It really is just another day. <laughs> Just another day on the force. Now, Amy mentioned that she'd been with you guys, in the room with you guys, two separate points, missed like nine episodes of The Shield. But felt like, she felt like she understood exactly what was going on still. That's like the wild thing, cause like she, she was here for like the overarching plot stuff. It's like watching Garo and like, it's like, oh, I'm here for like the first five episodes and like the last five episodes. <laughs> <laughs> just get rid of all the floor. <laughs> it's like I got the entire story. I mean, like Pat has like a habit of like just yeah. walking in at the end of a series and just be like, "Why do? Why would I ever watch this? I got the best part." <laughs> yeah, what, what was the last series we were watching? Did he just did that? Mm, I think it was Odd Taxi. Oh yeah, it was Odd Taxi. Yeah, he was, showed up at the it end. It was of the Odd last Taxi. two episodes of the Odd Taxi, and that fucker just sits down, and <laughs> starts watching. It just finishes. He's like, all right, I understand everything. I'm done. It's like, what the fuck, Pat? I like that we're, like, basically giving, like, character development notes to everybody else who, like, listens to any of the other shows because <laughs> they just happen to be in the other shows. The, the Toku podcast and the, uh... The horror podcast. Yeah, spooky points. Rob, 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 consider this. This is promotion for the other podcast. In fact, folks, there's another podcast... I mean, this is the wide reach we have here at Zero Points Articulated, <laughs> where we can advertise podcasts that people listen already listen to to them. <laughs> <laughs> this is our next level marketing strategy. <laughs> like, Truly next level. Like today I was on the phone with AT&T trying to unlock my phone, and I was on hold for 40 minutes. And it wasn't just like random bad jazz or like elevator music. The entire time they were literally advertising to me about signing up for a phone line or replacing my phone. I mean, that's what those or, customer services do. And yeah. like, but like, why though? If I'm calling you, I'm probably already a fucking customer. They just <laughs> well, want you to get like additional shit though. Well, no, 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 but. It's it's kind of like missing the point of a customer service line. Customer service when you're calling the customer service line, there's an issue. <laughs> you're 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 not looking to be sold to. You're pissed. I am an angry boy trying to get a hold of your dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> um. So, I recently was sort of I've been adding to um, a Spotify playlist. It's my it's my weeb music playlist. I literally call it Things Volume Two Weeb Edition, and I'm basically going through old anime music that I like. There's a couple songs on there which are kind of curiosities. Like one of the songs is uh, Gino Senki, the ending 
or uh, Reconquista no G. So, you know, Tomino's la- last gu- hurrah with Gundam. Oh, fuck. Uh, um, what a, show- a fucking train wreck. <laughs> yes. yes a, tra- a, tra- a train wreck. But here's the thing. kind of a bop, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. All the songs were kind of a bop, though. Gino Reconquista was kind of a disaster. But it has everything. It's got war. It's got robots. It's got a girl that says Gee, <laughs> I mean, yeah. But that, the, that, that's the high point. But, but the ending is like the ending. G, uh, Gino Senki is a top tier ending theme. Like I'd probably say it's like a top five Gundam ending. So I guess my question for for everyone in this room here is: Do you guys have any song openings or endings that are like that that have a very clear delta between the quality of the opening and the quality of the show? Like an ending, an opening for like a, or ending for a terrible show that you'd go to bat for just because it's a great opening or ending. Okay. I have a very quick answer here. Yeah, me too. All right, let's hear yours first, Jimmy. High School of the Dead. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good opening. I'm going to have to steal that one. I'm going to go, um, while Brendan is traveling through other timelines, I'm going to travel through another timeline and bring up this old but, uh, but bad. Um, I'm gonna go with, uh, Valrave. Valrave had a, like, Boku Janai was a really good ending. <laughs> like, really, really good ending. <laughs> they had, like, the German, like, hard chanting, like, chorus dudes. And then, like, you know, it had an alright opening. You know my feelings about Revolution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. It was alright. My feelings for TM Revolution have grown stronger because of Puppets. Puppets, but but I can see your point. <laughs> hey, man. They're just like a faster, more boy-bandy version of Jam Project. They have their place, and I appreciate them. But I still prefer my Boomer Jam Project. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because you're a Garo Weeb, Rob. I mean, yeah. Where, where is so much of a Garo Weeb? You, got, you made me a Garo like, Weeb. But like... Whereas at some point... My, my hot-blooded actually... manliness is way more Showa than it is Heisei. <laughs> Whereas, you know, I at one point did actually, unironically, like Gundam Seed, so I'm, I'm lost forever. Man, it just means that you're probably low-key also Fujoshi at some level. Yeah, you know, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, High School of the Dead's opening is, like, hot fire compared to, like, you know... <laughs> The hot mess the that the rest Man. of the show is. Man, this is like also kind of nostalgic because I'm remembering that old Twitter post where someone like in the infamous like bullet dodging scene where like they calculated how fast everything needed to be moving and then generated the sound that that movement had to be generating. And we played it. We played it after recording one day and, and Hermes lost his fucking mind. The secret fifth member of the podcast. <laughs> Couldn't handle it anymore. Yep. Yeah. Man. Didn't they do, like, another opening more recently that was, like, really, really good? Uh, I'm actually not sure. Like, I knew about them because they did, like, Toho music for Comic Cat. Yeah. Was it? Oh, it was a gate opening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely a gate opening. It was gate. I haven't watched too much gate. I got... Like I think past like two seasons, that's all there is. Oh, that's all there is. Yeah, I mean, even as like the special place in Isekai that Gate has is a form of like Japanese propaganda. 
it's still an isekai, so it does still have like the whole blending such, in with every other isekai. Such a power trip. I mean, I just kind of wish I could stop watching isekai, but I won't stop until they bring my boy, the vending machine, to beautiful, uh, fully uh, animated uh, <laughs> greatness. Yeah. One of these days, that vending machine's going to be on there. And when that announcement comes and you post it on the Discord server, I'm I'm just going to be done. For like that, so, that will break me as a person. It'll probably be twelve episodes, and for those three episodes, this will be a podcast about roaming the dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing, guys. Um, so, someone recently on Twitter suggested that um, because the world sucks, all other art forms of art is canceled, and everything has to be isekai now because Ugh. we really have no hope left on this planet. Our only hope is Truck-Coon. Damn. I went completely nihilistic and made a weird Twitter post and then got hit by a truck and now I roam the dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, look, I'm looking for the day where an uh, American movie plex is uh, the entirety of the theaters are filled with um, I, that time I was reincarnated in another world as a piece of Laguini. <laughs> so, like, okay, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. All right, is that the first classic American time travel story or the first classic American isekai? Oh, God. Because I feel like it has more in common with an isekai. Well, it's the first American isekai, but you know what's the first isekai, Rob? Either it's Gulliver's Travels or it's uh, Dante's Inferno. (laughs) Oh, no. I was... (laughs) Oh, no. I was wandering down 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 this road, and then suddenly I'm in hell. <laughs> you, you know, you know, but, but like with your love of isekai because, and your love of the divine comedy. But that's be, but that's because there was a literal entry point into hell on Earth. It explains it. Yeah, in the book. Yeah, but there's also an entry point to all the other world, and it's called a fucking truck. <laughs> okay, that broke me. <laughs> I wasn't expecting the team up here. I mean, I'm down for the, the divine I knew comedy. The second, I knew the second the divine comedy left your fucking lips, Brendan. I'm like, man, I'm gonna get tilted pretty soon here. <laughs> hey, man, I know that like you're a Jesus Chuny, <laughs> so like being into like Jesus Isekai detracts. Oh my god. So, speaking about hell, let's talk about this season's anime. You're acting like it's that bad, though. (laughs) But it isn't that bad. I would say, like, the only thing that was, like, kind of a disappointment was one of the first of the two shows in this segment. Yeah. Well, the other other show in this segment is good, but we'll get to that in a second. (laughs) So, Kyoto Annie's back! And it's Dragon Maid, and... Yeah, it's Dragon Maid. Yeah, it's, it's Dragon Maid. It's Dragon Maid. emoji, it's Dragon Maid. And as I'm older and wiser. It's like we get Eiruru, and like, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty cool. Well, it's okay. it's, it's kind of cool watching Dragon Maid while also watching Nichijo, and just being like, <laughs> man, one of these is definitely better than the other. <laughs> oh. Well, okay. So, here's the thing about Dragon Maid. I wanted to watch it because... It's the triumphant return of Kyoto Anime. And I actually did like the first season. You know, despite everything. Well, uh, this was also the era in your life where, like... Um, I was a disaster? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, when your family actively didn't watch uh, 
things like Aramanga Sensei without you because they thought you'd enjoy oh, that's it. That's right. <laughs> I forgot about I thought, that. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> that no. was that chapter. That was that chapter. <laughs> okay. Man, Bridget, I'm sorry. Well, no, 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 no. I mean, talking about alternate timelines. Or it just also, pretended this is also, didn't exist. This is, all, this is also the first season we had um, Delene on. Mm-hmm. And there was, of course... Was that the first season? Yes. Yeah, yeah. well, that was like back in the day when we had you on. And you hated it so much that we all watched it just to ambush you with it. Oh, with Arrow Manga Sensei, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah but, I, and, and that made, we that, and that made his family think he fucking loved shows. I was just like, wow, why, why, I mean, what was the name of that fucking episode again? No, no, it was a great title, it was, like, it was something along the lines of Arrow Manga Sensei, uh, all I remember is, I think I was, like, on tilt maybe 30 minutes of yeah. that entire episode, <laughs> but, but, but it's lost to the void now. Yeah, yeah. but here's the thing, is... I came into this with a lot less goodwill for um, Dragon Maid than I came out with it, because, you know, there's things that just nod in the back of my mind for, like, the last five years where I was just like, yeah, no, there's some definite fetishy things about this show, about this show um, particularly Shoda and uh, Lukoa, um, that just didn't sit well with me last time around. What kind of character is Shoda? He's, well, a, young, I, I he's mean, a young boy. What 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 what's fetishy about a guy, a kid named Shota? I mean, uh, hanging out with a very mature looking adult woman. I, mean, I don't know, Rob. I mean, again, the thing is though, like when I start when I came into Dragon Maid, I was like, yeah, I know that this that this artist is like or is just he's a gigantic pervert. Yeah, but and his favorite thing to like draw is like a guy who's small. A Shoda, <laughs> and a girl who's like five times his size. Man, don't we can give you the suicide test. <laughs> which one of these is Shoda and which one of these is Shoda? <laughs> I know that trap. <laughs> but I came in, I sat down, it only took like an episode for Dragon Maid to endear itself back to me. The thing is, is I still like Kobayashi, I still like Toru, I still like Fafkun. Uh, Iruru is... Yeah, you know, she has some problematic aspects to her as well, but she's got a compelling arc. The characters are still good. It's still a, probably one of the better lesbian relationships we're going to get out of out of Japan. <laughs> um, but right now, I'm not super bothered by it. But then Shoda and Lu- yeah. Lu- Luko have had like no screen time, and I think that's a good thing. <laughs> I mean. So they're watching two Maid series. Uh, we're also doing the Kuro Maid. And I think that's the big one that you were t- uh, alluding to when you were talking about disappointments. Uh, well, because, you, because you've been very vocal about them these past couple of weeks. <laughs> I, I try not to be super negative about things. Very vocal. <laughs> but this was a series that I was like really on to, like... Like a year or two ago, and like really liked it, and was like, man, I hope this is like gets like a niche little like twelve episode series. It's kind of like dark and beautiful, just really conveys like the spirit of the series. And this series does not do that. It is not. <laughs> that is not what it's here for. I mean, again, I, I finished watching Kuro Made, and I'm just like, all right, I'm gonna go see what Rob's talking about with the manga. 
And, oh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> so you were, like, more positive about the yeah, series I'm just like, before I, reading it? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, when I was watching the, the anime, I'm just like, oh, I mean, everything looks really robotic, and I'm not the biggest fan of, like, this animation style. It seems rather lazy to me, but, like... Goddamn. <laughs> I, I'm a sucker for, like, actual drawings, frames, and Wait, crap. Did you not watch the first episode of Dragon Ball? Uh, of season two? Yeah. Uh, not yet, no. So how could you say that if you haven't watched? Yeah, that's a fair point. Well, we were talking about Chromade. Yeah, I know, but saying you enjoy 2D oh. animation. <laughs> yeah, where is <laughs> like The first episode of, like, Dragon Maid, I, I watched the fight, it was pretty hype. Oh, yeah, no, Dra- oh, okay. Dragon Maid, it, I'm not sure how much of Dragon Maid Season 2 was made before the fire or after, but yeah, that's a good just, just from looks, like, Kyoto Ane is still Kyoto Ane. I think most of it was like storyboarding and stuff for episode one before the fire, mm-hmm. because I know there are. I think there was like a couple credits there that were from people who passed during the fire. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's it's like the uh, the old meme. Like, man, we're really going back to past incarnations at this point. <laughs> but one thing I've always been pretty adamant about is that Kyoani animates some beautiful fight scenes but has no business doing an actual straight battle series. <laughs> <laughs> and Dragon Maid is like... like the, which means Dragon Perfect marriage. <laughs> perfect marriage. Comedy series. And then, and then with the occasional fights. Yeah, beautiful fights. But as long as they don't have to write a full script for a battle series, they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do get what you're saying here. That it's it's very stiff. I, I don't know. They're, every time I watch... In an episode, I'm just like this. Everything just seems off to me. It, it does. It doesn't seem lifelike. I, I think Brendan had a pretty good take about what they're trying to do with that, though. Okay, so I think there's a couple different takes I have about this. One, why is TV CGI so bad? <laughs> like, why? I think the only series that has ever even remotely worked is Knights of Sidonia, and even then, has some. There is some weirdness. With I, it. I'm going to. Do this for Jimmy. I'm also going to say uh, Land of the Lustrious. It was weird. There was 2D elements, but a lot of it was CG. Yeah. Like, and how was that CGI? Since you guys watched <laughs> Really good. Pretty good. Uh, there was a reason why we fought you guys on Anime of the Year that year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still need to circle back to that one. I know I need to. But <laughs> second up is, aesthetically, this series seems straight wrong. That this series is supposed to be kind of gothic kind of have like that sort of like that like victorian grit that like shadows house has right Mm -hmm. yeah like i mean you even put it best with when you were explaining it to me rob what what was it that you said again something about this is a series about love (laughs) this is a series about like love longing isolation and like trying to be human (laughs) yeah and like going off of what brendan's saying i'm watching this and you know, thank God I didn't. I, I didn't read the manga then. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, this seems like a little bit more comedic, a little bit more upbeat. It's just like, oh, he has a curse, and like their relationship is uh, the, between the maid and the the Duke of Death. It's a bit fetishy. Fan service. You got a lot of fan service stuff, and yeah. and and it's very, but it's very bright. Like it has a very bright poppy opening. It everything, all the scenes are very well lit everything is very bright for this gothic tale of a guy who can kill you by accidentally touching and you was suffering like every day of his life because he has to keep himself from doing this 
the problem isn't just the fact that this is C- a CG animated series and it's all robotic and it like you so it can't you can't get really good facial expressions or character motions or any of that in a manga where that like those expressions are important. This is aesthetically wrong. <laughs> this is like this show is trying instead of being leaning into the thing that's kind of interesting about it, like this gothic romance, it's lean it's trying to be a specific show with a bright poppy opening and um two care you know two characters in a room together who spend most of their time in a bright room together um you know sort of battling off each other um you know love is war this this show is actively just trying to be kaguya it's really tone deaf too like to try to do that because like at right as you said that like they were having a snowball fight in episode four and i'm just like Man, this whole thing feels like it could just be like in Kaguya the way they're framing it. <laughs> it's just like a really lazy. <laughs> it's like man, because like does that snowball fight even happen in the manga? Do you remember that, Rob? Yeah, it, it, okay. yeah, that that happens, and it's like a sweet moment, but like out of place, out of place the way they did it. That, that it's. Yeah. Also, a special shout out to uh, to Funimation for that Matrix line in your Victorian. <laughs> it's like we like stopped like Wait. that was out of the Matrix. We we stopped. We like we literally stopped it for like what two minutes, and we're just like Jimmy's like, no, that was the suburbs, and we're just like, oh fuck, go back. <laughs> yeah, like, he does not say Matrix it's there. Like we're, we're wondering like what time period is this in again? <laughs> Clearly, this is set in, in in the Gothic period of 1999. Yeah, right? I, I know we dropped like Jerome last season, but I think like Kuromade, at least in my heart, did the speed run for getting dropped because like I was ready to drop it after episode one. And we're gonna replace it with something fun. So, Eda Ten or Love Live? Those are my only two options. <laughs> you can't your... meet me in the middle somewhere else. <laughs> I, I'm, I don't think I'm capable of watching two shows that I don't really care about. Oh. But what about uh the stage play one? Uh, we could do that one. There, the last episode was kind of. But I, I but the first episode of Edenton was kind of <laughs> from what I heard. But literally. Everything besides the last two minutes is, like, my favorite thing ever. But, but the last two minutes of the first episode. <laughs> Jimmy, this is a pretty hard sell even for you. <laughs> pretty hot. So love live it is. <laughs> I see. I think the funniest thing to do is just, like, lead in the next episode with fucking love live. <laughs> <laughs> just to let the, let let the audience know who won. Just true, just true whiplash. <laughs> but I mean, going back to Curlmade. Yeah, going back to Curlmade. Tell us a little bit about Love Live this season. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I, I don't think that it's um. I, I don't think that it's like a bad series. I, I I think people can watch it and still enjoy it, but like. You're missing so much if you're not reading the manga. I mean, this is gonna sound, yeah, this is gonna sound really gatekeepery, but man, just read the manga. Don't bother with this show. I'm gonna be like way harsher because of how much I actually like the manga. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is like a what do they call an anti recommendation? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, it's just the uh, records of Ragnarok. The, that that anime we don't talk about. Yeah, it's I just mean... like yeah, go and read the manga. <laughs> 
there's a lot of bad manga adaptations right now. Well, like we're in the we're I mean like when you look at like the working conditions and like what's happening financially in the anime, like we're kind of in a weird situation when it comes to anime right now. And I'm expecting like weird inconsistencies and like until those inherent problematic things get fixed. So you're telling me we're in the early 90s again. I mean, it definitely feels like it. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> we're just fucking much older <laughs> we're much older but it's cool to say radical again oh god it, it is cool to say radical <laughs> again right <laughs> that's the reason why i said oh god and backed up from the mic a bit <laughs> ah you were you were blown away by my coolness uh, yeah, radical let's, yeah, let's, let's Not call doing it matrix reference <laughs> <laughs> call right. it being blown away anyway yeah so Shiroisuna no Aqua Tote, I think. <laughs> the aquarium The anime. aquarium anime. The fish anime. There's penguins. But there's, like, fish everywhere. Aqua Tope starts off with uh, Fuka quitting her job as an idol, but pretty much getting fired for giving up her center spot. And instead of heading back home, she heads to Okinawa, wanders around for a while until she comes upon an aquarium. At which point, she uh, she has, like, a weird trippy psychic vision yeah that that um it's probably done by some like local de- deity um and that makes her want to work at the aquarium that starts her wanting to work at the aquarium and she meets kukuru the acting director during the summer who's basically during the summer trying to save the aquarium from closing down that <laughs> has so many big ideas but they cost so much money <laughs> Man, imagine, like, being the director of an aquarium, like, nine months out of the year. You're like, man, I don't have to come back after this summer. And some, like, asshole kid saves the aquarium and you're stuck in your dead-end job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, the the actual director is her grandfather, um, who's basically retiring, which is part of the reason why the aquarium is probably going to close. Aside from lack of revenue and all that fun stuff. So she's trying to force her grandfather to work until he... What no, a, no, what no. She's she's making his work during the summer useless because he's traveling around trying to find people to adopt these animals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. like basically, like basically, she's in denial that this thing that she loves, um, and is maybe like one of like her only connections to her childhood is still left. She doesn't want to admit that's dying. Um, so she's work, you know, she's working tirelessly to save something that's already probably doomed. She's got a dream. And Fuka sees that Kukuru has a dream and it's like, hey, I can make someone else realize their dreams. I mean, like... It's just like Kamen Rider Fies. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, but like, low-key, isn't that the reason why she got fired from being an idol to to begin with? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh Okay. (laughs) No, no, it was that she... It was that basically she got fired from being an idol because she... Instead of being Karage Girl and ruthlessly killing her competition. Um, We're she, talking odd taxi, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Spoilers. <laughs> she she basically uh, let up and gave someone else an opportunity, which made everyone else think she was lazy, which, of course, caused a death spiral for her career. I know, I know that. I'm just like tracking that she hasn't learned from her mistakes. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, no. no. She's, a, she's a real Emmy Asher. Okay. I, mean, I still think, though, that it's she's at that point where she's 
floating around, not exactly knowing what her purpose is after her dream died. Man, it'd be kind of cool if this is, like, just a setup to, like, a Golden Boy spinoff, <laughs> where it's just, like, it's just her traveling from, like, dying industry to dying industry and helping someone achieve their dreams and leaving. <laughs> <laughs> like, the anti-Jeff Bezos. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> just remember Amazon. <laughs> Amazon customers and workers. You paid for this. <laughs> now, here's one aspect of uh, Aquatope that I think is kind of... is kind of one of the elephants in the room is... Is this show a Yuri series? No. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to go with a no. I mean, there, I, we were joking about what episode 5 was the one that just most yeah. recently came out. So you'll understand no. me better if you touch me. <laughs> or what, that is or the it hardest for? it's gotten... To Yuri, yeah, like, like, like you said, Rob. There's no undertones here. This is all just tone. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't subtext. This is just text. It's like, wow, this is really Yuri right now. Like overall, like, it just seems like a nice story about friendship between two girls. And I also think that, like, out of all the series that we're watching right now, besides uh, Vanitas. Carnitas. Carnitas. Goddamn. <laughs> 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 uh, Save it, Rob. Save but it. but I, I do think that uh, th- this is where I'm going to put all my eggs in this basket. I, I think this story has a chance of going places and exploring a lot of cool concepts. As long as they don't have an argument, episode 7, that doesn't get resolved until episode 10, where they finally get back together and save the aquarium by episode 12. I will oh. agree with you. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, 100%. If there's some, uh, yeah, if there's something half-assed there, I, I, I think, mean... I think you guys are just complaining about story structure at this point. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we're just clenching our ass, hoping that, like, hoping that it another Mars Red doesn't happen. Yeah. We're halfway through the series, the series fucking derails, and doesn't, nothing, uh, no, really happens for, like, Here's here's one thing that I know that um, was pointed out on ANN. Um, yeah, because you can trust ANN. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, no, this series is supposed to be two core. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, is it? No. Ooh, that is, uh... Interesting. How? <laughs> <laughs> and la- they're going with my idea. <laughs> season one is the aquarium. Season two... What's a dying in mystery that no one book cares stores. about? Bookstores. Bookstores. <laughs> Motherfucking bookstores. Let's go up against Amazon. It's, Get our ass beat. It's like a secret second season of uh, Dunky Guy. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man, someone else watched that show. <laughs> <laughs> man, I my favorite bit from that show was that we're just like, okay, you have to do the couples race with like the woman you love most. And the dude just grabs the statue, and all the other otaku have statues, and they're just running with statues. Yeah. <laughs> oh, god damn it. I don't know if I'd recommend that series, but man, is it funny. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I, I don't really think there's too much else to talk about that anime besides, like, you know... I think that I, I can see it going places after watching the first third of the anime. I actually like Man. also like hearing that it's two core actually got rid of a lot of my trepidation of it being kind of typical drama. Yeah, type typical thing. twelve episode drama where something fucks up like episode eight. 
and then they like come together at the end. Although, if there is a big misunderstanding, uh-huh. that would make it more like Fies on some level. That is true. Because what is a common writer series? But like a five episode arc where people just aren't talking to each other. Isn't that just Durarara? I mean, in some ways, yes. Durarara is a fantastic common writer series. <laughs> <laughs> so much would get fixed if just people would fucking talk to one another. Well, like in Japan, it's rude to talk about things, so. <laughs> Alright, uh... But yeah, I mean, I alluded to it, but we'll go into uh, the gay vampire se- series. Um, Vaninas no Cartier. Carnitas. Carnitas of the cart. (laughs) Basically just seems like it's, uh, a young vampire, Noe, discovers Vaninas, the human, a blue moon vampire, (laughs) and saves him, and then it's kind of just wacky adventures after that. I, I think the question that's burning on everybody's minds for this is, one, are we typecasting ourselves into the vampire anime podcast? <laughs> Quick answer, yes. <laughs> um, but the second one, is it Noe Venitas or is it Venitas Noe? <laughs> oh, no, no. How could Noe be anything other than the bottom and Vanitas be anything other than the top? I mean, okay, so clearly... You don't know Fujoshi's because they will have takes. <laughs> I, I would, I would be, not. You know Fujoshi's. I know Fujoshi's. You are one. I mean, like I'm an honorary member because I, I watch. I, I like hang out in the same circles. <laughs> I just leave before the extracurricular activities. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the series is interesting. I, I don't think there's been a single time while when I'm watching this when I'm like bored. It's it's going places, you know. Charlton's parade and like the whole idea of like this thing going around stealing people's true names, especially in, like I believe it was the first episode, wasn't it? Where it's like they show the process of you getting your true name fucking taken. It's like holy shit. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I mean, there, there's some cool ass fucking concepts hidden in this anime. Well, well, not even hidden; they're just there. Well, it, it's this is like. Clearly, like, front runner for, like, the most conventionally enjoyable show of the season. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's got high production values. It's got a fair bit of action, a bit of romantic shipping you can get behind, whether that be straight shipping or the obvious Fujou stuff. We were kind of talking about this earlier while we were watching stuff. What anime this show reminds us most of? I know you mentioned Fate, but I think that's mostly because of the Yuki Kajura um, soundtrack. Well, that in the moment she brings out the red gauntlet, and I'm like, oh, this is just a noble phantasm. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I was saying um, the tone actually reminds me more of a of and like the character interactions remind me a lot of like a Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. Um, whereas I think uh, Vanitas himself, um, particularly the fact that he's kind of morally dubious very actively reminds me of, like, a Lelouch um, or an El or a Light Yagami. He's, like, he's clearly some kind of villain protagonist. Uh, He's definitely got that act there. Um, But, you know, also, like, there's a couple other things, like um, Blood Blockade Battlefront, everyone's favorite Fujo Bait book series, Bungo Stray Dogs. (laughs) The gayest of dogs. (laughs) Like, it's it's slickly animated. It has one of the best anime, you know, epic score makers around. 
There's nothing super objectionable about it except for Vanitas being a little bit of a creep sometimes. A little bit. Just a bit. He just wants to save all vampires. I don't see the problem. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's like, his, it's his like actions the... towards Gene are not great. I mean, yeah, they're definitely forward <laughs> and a little bit worse, a lot worse than that, but... It's like watching Monogatari. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yo, what's the main character like? Thinks about the problematic stuff. You know, he's just a guy who wants to save vampires. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not Shota levels of, you know, shadowing behind things in Dragon Maid. It is like, you know, like him, like sort of forcing that kiss on Jean and then later basically, you know, having her drink his blood. That is some clear kind of rapey vibes that I kind of just, yo, maybe let's not do that. Yeah. (laughs) I personally stopped watching shows and went pretty negative on shows for similar things. To circle back to Dragon Maid just for a second, one of the problems I kind of inherently have with Dragon Maid is there are times where you're like, okay, the author is writing something here that is clearly supposed to allow the not great people in our fandom, you know, the the pedophiles um, into their big tent. One of the things about Dragon Maid ends up crossing a line is that it's like oh no, no, no. Not only are they allowing these people into this tent, they're actively advertising to them. One thing I will say is sometimes talking to Brendan is like living in an episode of The Shield with how Frank he goes on certain things. (laughs) (laughs) I guess what I'm trying to say here is that there is a level to which, the older I get, that this crap becomes more and more glaring and unnerving to me. I mean, you're able to see it more often, is what I'd say. You're able to recognize it a bit more. I mean, it's always been part of this, but it's like understanding like that this isn't harmless, is I guess the thing. That it's like, yeah, no, 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 Like this is stuff that is not only... Sort of. Un- I, I mean, we've seen like real life examples where people go off the deep end. <laughs> yeah, more than once. I mean, like, man, I think there was a time where like everybody in the room was like, "Yo, like, High School of the Dead was sort of cool," <laughs> <laughs> and then like we grew up and we're just like, <laughs> and we're just it's, like, it's uh... like you, wa- you keep watching anime and you look back on it and you're just like, oh. I, I mean, like, okay, so like we're um. Most of us in this room are kind of anime boomers at this point. Like this point. Oh, oh, I'm a super boomer. So, oh, okay. Oh. I think actually you did have this experience where like you're in high school and everybody's just like, oh, what kind of anime you watch and stuff. And then it's like, hey, have you ever heard of Elf and Lead? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that was 100% my anime club. Elf and Lead, there's a very specific thing what Rob's saying about like... Well, when they're introduced- especially with Elf and Lead where it's like, oh, people think it's like fucking hot shit. Well, but- it's more um like the idea of anime back then and what it should have been was like, it has to be gritty, it has to be bloody, there has to be naked people and someone pissing on a floor for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, second episode? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah well, somewhere around there. Well, there's even more anime boomer versions of this, like, have you heard of Ninja Scroll? Well, it's like, it's like, <laughs> oh god. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think like there is a generational like, okay, we put up with a lot of like, stuff from anime and like the next generation kind of like is like okay like who the fuck actually like recommends anyone elf and lead anymore like 
When's the last time anyone's actually talked about that series? <laughs> Aside for right now. Well, yeah, this is an example though. Like, I feel like things like Dragon Maid and Monogatari and stuff like that is like people progress and like the art gets more sophisticated and, and like as it becomes more mainstream and you need less sex to sell it, we will move past that stuff. Because a lot of, like, the anime in, like, the 80s and the 90s, one of the reasons why they did so well internationally is people thought, like, oh, adult cartoons should be like this. And we're going to animate to see, because we like the idea of cartoons and we need to see these, like, really adult, gruesome situations. And that was, like, one of the main draws of it back then. And as we get mainstream, like, it's we're, we're seeing different types of stories. And, like, yeah, there's still, like, fan service and stuff like that. But I, f- I, I feel less uncomfortable watching certain modern anime than just, say, something from ten years ago. Like, I think that's well, part of what's kind of interesting about watching Dragon Maid now is we're watching the sensibilities of five years ago. And what was kind of, like, what was, like, made us feel a little bit uncomfortable five years ago versus how that plays now and like sort of being like i feel like i'm like me and jimmy are the only people who actually watched all four episodes of dragon maid uh-huh. <laughs> um, episode two um they, they go a place where like um iru is kind of like hey you're, you're really uh as base and terrible as the rest of us and like you you didn't want to take advantage of me sexually but that's because you're a woman i'm gonna give you a penis <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you did mention that as a I problematic thing. That as a well, problematic no, thing. Well, you know, there's a little bit of like, oh well, you know, Kobayashi is a little bit hornier, and of course, you know, but it's mostly played for gags. Like, there's a gag where like Toru's gonna be like, we're gonna breed and make dragons, and then she takes off her her maid outfit, and then Kobayashi is just like, you've lost all appeal to me here. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, yeah, that was the whole point of the entire chapter when that yeah. happened. It's like, hey, time for wacky adventures with Kobayashi with a dick. <laughs> but one of the things I found find interesting about that is like a lot of Kobayashi you know, stuff out there between Toru and Kobayashi because Japan is kind of not great when it comes to yuri centric anime like a lot of that fan art is has we, we, we get that we get that we get where you're going with it where it feels like dragon maid is made by the same exact people who draw porn of dragon maid i mean yeah i mean i know <laughs> I mean, we kind of went off topic on bodies yeah i know <laughs> i mean it it is a solid decent show i i, w- I can see it going places the main villain of the show, like, I really like the concept. It's a thing that's going around stealing names. I don't know. I, I, I like the idea. Especially maybe, how unnerving the actual thing looks. Maybe, like, uh, this is just the theme of the episode with me being the bearer of, like, unfortunate news. Oh, God. Whenever I went to go watch uh, Vanitas or Carnitas... Carnitas um, uh, with a blue moon. Yeah, Carnitas with a blue moon. On orange the cart, slice on the cart. Uh, like with an orange slice on. Oh, that Carnitas moon. a la carte. Okay, that's that's the <laughs> oh, name. Oh my god, that's the name. Okay, so like when I went to go like catch up with Carnitas a la carte, I had completely forgot I had watched the first episode and forgot everything about it until I like clicked through and saw some things and refreshed my memory. So I am worried about this series ultimately being very forgettable. Actually, you know what? I I am going to admit that after watching the first episode with you and Pat, I then spent a couple days obviously not watching it. And then I I go back, start watching it again, and... 
<laughs> I, I, I was just watching it for like the first three, four minutes. And I'm just like, man, this is a lot of cool stuff going on. What the fuck happened last episode? <laughs> and then it's like, oh yeah, look at this book. And then it's like, oh yeah, that's right. This is the book, Anne. <laughs> it's entertaining, it's competent, it's flashy, but is it essential? And that's the thing right now, I can't say that it is. I, mean, I think that's really the most damning part about it. I'd say, for me, it passed the three-episode test. Yeah. 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 But, and, and I'm, I will watch this to till the end, unless it pulls a Joe Ron and just <laughs> shits the bed. It utterly. just absolutely shits the bed. I love that we already have new lore. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> But yeah, I, I mean, it's... Joran is the Rail Wars of this incarnation <laughs> of this incarnation. I, I think it's going places. I can understand that it's pretty forgettable at times, occasionally. So yeah, um, our last current show that we're uh, reviewing this week is uh, Urumichi uh, Nissan. I'm actually, I think it's Urumichi oh. Oh, Nissan. Oh, Nissan. Okay, yeah, yeah. Alright, so this series is probably like one of like our more easy-to-watch, light-hearted series. It's about this guy who's clinically depressed, working as a children's entertainer on like a like Mister Rogers style show. There's a great cast of characters and some fantastic voice actors in this series. Like man, like the the series just sounds like if Butter could tell jokes. I mean, it's got our boy Kamiya opposite uh, Mamoru Miyano, like. Also, like, uh, Tomokazu Sugita, uh, Nana Mizuki. They also have, like, the best cat, like, the best characters in the anime. <laughs> the kids. And the, it's the kids. I mean, they're amazing. <laughs> All of their punchlines are fantastic. <laughs> like, this definitely seems like the type of series that Shaft would do if Shaft wasn't, like, in the money shill, like, hellscape <laughs> that they're in right now. <laughs> This show is perhaps definitely the funniest thing I've watched this year, by a long shot. It's consistent, and, like, the long, hot summer episode was, like, honestly, like... It was the beach episode. We got our beach episode, folks, and it was in the middle of winter. The first three episodes (laughs) are pretty solid. I feel like three really hit you hard with, like, the depressing part of the show. Oh, yeah. But, um, juxtaposing that to episode four... (laughs) <laughs> and it starts off, the director has them fucking filming a beach episode in the middle of winter. The beach episode is, if you have to watch a single episode of this series, the beach episode, though you should be watching the whole damn thing, because it's honestly probably the best show we're watching this season. I mean, it's it's up there, like, I'd say lowest common denominator, this is the easiest recommendation to anybody who's oh, like definitely, yeah. into any types of it, anime. It's like, yo, you want to have like a good time? Sit down, watch this. Yeah. But episode four is just straight up just a laugh a minute the entire time. Just spitting hot fire. But there's also just like great bits. Like, for instance, like the director comes out with like, I have this horrible new idea for you. And uh, Urmichi is just like, I'll do it to live. <laughs> and, like, when that happened, I just pointed the screen at Amy, and I was just like, that's me every morning when I wake up to go to work. <laughs> I I have that same exact face going, like, I will do it to live. You wake up in the morning, uh, why couldn't it have been tonight? <laughs> As a millennial 30-something, I definitely... 
really identify with this character. <laughs> Especially the part where he watches Precure just to like... <laughs> oh, yeah, just so that he can draw the characters. He's truly a professional. But, I mean, yeah, like, all the jokes are really solid. The characters are all hype, all have very distinct characterizations, and, like, all fit the jokes so well. <laughs> it's also, like, nice to get, like, an anime in this style where it's, like, not set in a high school. <laughs> or it's not just like high school kids working part time or something like it's just here's some adults doing adult stuff here's some adults grinding being ground down by life like like I really liked Wotakoi except for like one scene and like manga Dex was down so I haven't finished the manga yet but I was pretty saddened to hear that the manga was over but that gives me hope that we'll get a season two especially if like series like this do well because I just want more workplace adult series isn't Kamiya just going back to form here? <laughs> yes. He definitely... But, like, this definitely does have, like, Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei vibes in a very real way. <laughs> <laughs> and it might just be, like, why I like it so much. Because that series is always going to be, like, in my top ten. Yeah, and you want to show it to everyone. Literally everyone. Good times. I mean, as the as the viewers might have um, overheard... There was one thing I got you into pretty recently, and I think that can lead us into what <laughs> um, what Jimmy's going to bring us to next. You having to shove down series down other people's throats. <laughs> yeah, it feels good. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Sweats at Garo. That means it's time we start our Fist of the North Star deep dive. Oh, I've been you looking... a shock. <laughs> I was, I've been looking forward to this for, like, literally the last three weeks. So, we're going to be covering the first third of the series. Uh, um, spoilers for, like, a million-year-old series. Uh, we're going to be... Basically, um, our benchmark at this point is the death of Ray. if you're trying to, like, follow along. And <laughs> death of Ray the boy. My boy. Um, Yeah. Caesar Zapelli's no. death wishes it could be Ray's death. No! <laughs> no. <laughs> Throw in the gauntlet down. <laughs> Throw in the gauntlet down. Nah, okay, nah, but, he's, but he's spitting nothing but facts. Okay, okay. so one thing I want to say as we're going into Fist is I've seen some rancid anime think piece takes about JoJo where they're like, well, Araki, he was initially copying Fist of the North Star, but in reality, he elevated Fist. <laughs> no, Araki's stuff wasn't all, like, it, uh, part one JoJo was not great. Let, let's just be honest here. And that was because Araki was trying to be Fist of the North Star. He did not elevate Fist of the North He did not elevate Fist of the North Star. I mean, Jonathan because, is in Kenshiro. Because JoJo no got good when it stopped trying to be Fist of the North Star. And it started doing its own thing. <laughs> cough, cough, stands, even though Stands were kind of taken from Fist as well, but were that, well, that's 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 part. So what you're saying is died. Persona inspired Fist of the North Star. Yes, Pers yeah, Persona inspired. <laughs> persona. <laughs> oh, so Fist is an important manga. It's an important anime. It's a bedrock of of the shonen genre. It's super influential. I think a lot of people either stop there, like, and are being like, "Well, but you know, shonen moved past it." They're wrong. Um, um, there's also, of course, people who who look at Fist and just are like memes. Um, obviously, everyone knows Omaiwa Shindemon. 
お前はもう死んでる。何何<笑> I mean, like, that's like kind of the first 20 episodes of Fist of the North Star. Cause, um, if you've read the manga, you know that the, uh, the beginning arc, the Shen arc is actually like incredibly short. Um, it's all just set up. With, with the first volume in sale in the States and hardcover, which I definitely recommend you pick up. We're chilling for you, Viz. Pay us. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, I definitely recommend the pick up because honestly, like, it's, it's a piece of like history. But the arc is over quickly. And for some reason, Um, they decided to make Shen a way bigger bad guy than, like, he originally was, like, by adding, like, G.I. Joe dudes, witches stealing a lake. Adding, uh, adding, like, <laughs> like, adding him having a literal army that, when you think about it in retrospect, <laughs> they could have um, probably taken Rao's they, they, army. They could have just taken Rao's army. Now, Rao himself? Oh, 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 hell no. They had... But, They had tanks and a battleship and helicopters. You're, you're yeah. forgetting about the train cannon. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the motherfucking train cannon. They also had the cannons that fired dudes holding swords at people. <laughs> <laughs> that was so fucking stupid. I remember, I remember that. Remember now? that time Kenshiro fought a dude who was clearly a vampire using hypnosis to turn people into zombies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first 20 episodes are just so fucking stupid. Well, there's just so much garbage. And it's like, they break, like, what is, like, one of the perfect old Japanese tropes, which is the four evil generals. Shin had four, clearly four generals who Ken takes out in very quick order. And in the anime, it's more like he has, like, 20, and a bunch of them who are, like, anime original, like, funkies. One of whom decides, yeah, no, I'm, I'm better than you, Shin, and just gets Murked <laughs> almost immediately. <laughs> like the first 20 episodes of Fist and Arthur are kind of confusing because, like, within those we get both like God's Army or Golan, whatever, whatever they're called in the uh, <laughs> the fucking manga, and we also have um, uh, what's his name, uh, Jackal. Oh yeah, Jackal. Uh, yeah. Jackal and Devil Rebirth. It's very interesting that they did this in the Shin arc because originally it's just Bat and Kenshiro up to the end of Shin mm -hmm. and. Kinshiro, like, at this point is, like, in a deep depression, not knowing what the fuck he's supposed to be doing anymore. And then finds out that Lin has been kidnapped by these fucking Green Beret motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, that's kind of what gets him back into this. Whereas in the anime, Rin is with Ken and Bat as, like, soon as, like, episode four? Uh, yeah. Seven? Like, But even... Earlier than that, I'd say. I mean, she was she, there like episode two, three, wasn't she? Well, no, not, there was like at least like oh, a, I can't believe I'm forgetting that. There's there's at least a couple episodes where she wasn't with them, but it was yeah. very quickly after that. Oh yeah, and then uh, I have to ask. So like, have you guys been seeing like this dog? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, no! In a car, there's a car. There's a car as well. The buggy. Yeah, but like. <laughs> There's this dog, and I yeah. keep telling people, like, yo, I'm seeing a dog right now. <laughs> and everyone's just looking at me and being like, what dog? I, I think one I of the funny things um, that you could do, it's a game you can play while watching Fist of the North Star, like, the first, like, 70 episodes, until the dog magically disappears forever, and no one mentions it again. But no, it's just just the writers of the series, they, they forgot Toki's hair was white. <laughs> oh, no, they forgot no, no, it they wasn't forgot white. It, yeah, it wasn't always white. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But, um, so, like, yeah, there's this dog, Pell, that's in the show for some inexplicable reason. And you can always tell when a scene is, like, canon or not, depending on whether or not the dog is there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's all these, like, anime-only characters who... Like, the girl on the motorcycle. Hmm. Uh, (laughs) Oh, um, was it, uh, uh, the beta test for Mamiya? (laughs) 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 We gotta gotta see if... If she's a character worth introducing. So yeah, like, it's it's definitely interesting. Uh, I think one of the things um, that I don't like about some of the structure of the first 20 episodes is specifically they do my boy Jackal, like, really badly. Jackal is a shrewd cow- coward that knows what he's doing. And, like, the fact that they had, like, a character that didn't exist working under Shin go and be like, oh, you need to wake up Devil, devil Rebirth. Like, this wasn't some scheme this insane asshole had the whole time, because he did. He was leading Kenshiro, like, he was on purpose leading Kenshiro to this prison. Yeah. Like, as, like, the ultimate, like, I'm gonna get this motherfucker. Uh And, like, I think that that, like, the anime, like, downplays how dangerous Jackal was and why he's memorable to people who read the manga. Because, like, he doesn't have martial arts, he's just a dude who's, he is, like, the most, like, if martial artists weren't magical beings in this world. He might be one of the most reasonable people to actually take control. But, but Rob, he was a martial artist. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he was, was a martial artist with explosives. <laughs> <laughs> you, you called throwing dynamite a martial art? Hey, if it works. <laughs> Shrug if it works. Aside from, like, you know, the Golan and Jackal stuff being moved around... Am I the only one who actually really loves all the G.I. Joe, like, which is stealing, oh, I, like, stuff? I, I, it wasn't that I didn't enjoy it. It's more just, like, when I was watching the first 20 episodes, and I think we started, we did start Fist on 420, didn't we? Yeah, that's how we, <laughs> we blasted through, like, 30 episodes in one day on 420. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, like, even when I was high, it's like, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is fucking pretty good. <laughs> but then, like... Ray gets introduced, and there is such a total shift after Ray gets introduced. Well, well after after Ray gets introduced, Fist of the North Star finally becomes Fist of the North Star. Yeah. The filler gets drops so fucking off the level with season two. Mm-hmm. Like the next twenty six episodes, this is like that girl who uh, was who, a, who they fight on the way to Cassandra, who doesn't exist. That girl, who, <laughs> or or that like that random master guy who the two pillar dudes have to take out, who didn't exist. <laughs> but part two is where Fist starts to become extraordinarily Fist at times. It's I think the part where it's most noticeable that certain episodes are done by different animation directors, and there's certain episodes that they just save. For, like, specific directors. Like, I think the first time where I'm just, like, legitimately impressed by Fist's animation was the Ray Kenshiro fight at the end of Fang Clan. Yeah, Yeah. no, I I, I can explain why it was so well animated. It's because, oh, there's a cool-ass fight happening. Throw everyone at the wall. We're getting this (laughs) shit done. Fang Clan is such an effective enemy. Like, you fucking know that shit's gonna hit the goddamn fan and shit's about to be fucking awesome when all of a sudden there's one scene where like the animations it's regular like 80s style of animation and then stuff, next stuff you could see on like a saturday morning cartoon and then the next scene is like oh fuck why is the animation quality so good <laughs> no, no, like like think of like what transformers look like becoming a late 80s oba 
that's like that's the day and night we're talking about here, folks. Yeah, and you definitely get that like immediately after Ray's introduced. Man, and the Fang Clan, the Fang Clan is also like a. <laughs> but um, the Fang Clan is such a tonal shift for villains too because they are like deadly efficient in a way that hasn't been like portrayed in Fist up to that point. Where it's just like, yo, Ray's here, find out what you can about him, find out his weaknesses, and it's like, yo, we found his sister. But this motherfucker's been traveling across this barren, desolate wasteland looking for her. They find her in a fucking day. They beat the dude's asses who have her, and then they just, yup, we have our trump card to defeat these two dudes. By them being that effective and that worried about their fighting prowess and taking down an entire gang just to get a trump card on them also conveys to us how fucking tough these dudes are. And how fucking scary furries are. (laughs) (laughs) Furries are the greatest detectives. That's why they control most of the world's art. This is also the part of Fist where, you know, we start to get into the actual mythology of Fist. The succession of Hokuto, where it's like the main trio of Rao, Toki... And Kinshiro, Jaggy notwithstanding. <laughs> we trained Jaggy, Jaggy wrong as a joke. Yo, Jaggy did nothing wrong. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Jaggy's best girl, fight me, Rob. Though I throw out Jaggy as like sort of like a non-factor in this mythology, but he's the person who starts leading us into it. He's the guy who basically forces that Ken to have to start looking for his brothers, confronting his brothers. He can't ignore his past anymore. Jaggy is the linchpin of Kinshiro's destiny. And I mean, I believe it all started after he started hunting down Toki because Jaggy told him that Toki was... Well, well he's, he's, uh, it was fake Toki, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amoeba. <laughs> yeah, but that he was going around fucking, like, killing people or some bullshit, right? And yeah, it's, uh, it's honestly where we get into, like, one of the main core themes of Fist, which is, you know, the power of destiny. Yeah. We start talking about the stars and their movements as, like, the stars follow the movements of these great men as much as they are dictated by, like, the actual orbits that the stars have to take and the patterns that they've taken throughout time. Yeah, and we start getting introduced to the Death Omen star. I think it gets introduced with the talk between Rey and Mamiya, right? Mm-hmm. Or, uh, Toki? Yeah. Was it with Toki? Yeah, yeah Toki. Toki. Yeah, it was. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right after Cassandra. And, yeah. and, like, that's one of the reasons why, like, I think Fist is one of the things that you want to, like, really go back and, like, do. Even if, like, you're like, oh, I don't want to see the bad animation or whatever. There are so many things that reference the Death Omen star. You could tell this is where Fist of the North start gets, starts getting good. Because everybody who's gotten this far, this is the parts that they're referencing. This is beyond the memes. This is, like... This is, like, the raw, where people solid fall in content. Love. Well, yeah. This is this is when someone decides to make a Kaguya Fist of the North Star mashup. Oh, that was it's, so good. They, With Chica's Jaggy. Yeah. They they're not referencing the, the just the meme opening twenty episodes. They're they're referencing Kaguya as Raul. They're like Ishigami as Toki. And it's just like, I think I'm going to die soon. <laughs> I think is going to kill me. And it just shows Toki Ishigami seeing uh, Rao Kaguya holding someone up in the pose where, like, um, Rao killed Ray. Rao killing Ray, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, man, this is, like, really deep cuts here, because this this isn't, like, surface-level, like, watching of the series. Yeah. But, like, okay, so, of arcs in this first part, like, what, what would you guys say is, like, the standout, like, favorite chunk of episodes of this? Yeah, that's a hard one for me, because, like, honestly, when Ray gets introduced... 
like I'm just Pollock Champ the rest of the the, the rest of the night. <laughs> Man, the Fade Clan arc was so fucking fun. <laughs> I just my favorite part wasn't even like just the Fade Clan itself. It was more just Pat, you and me sitting in the living room watching this and going, "Ooh, <laughs> they killed my son." It was just the best part, but, like, I, I think besides the meme of the Fang Clan, Cassandra is probably my favorite. I mean, I think I have to copy part of the answer with the Fang Clan, just because, like, after all the meme episodes, everything about the Fang Clan was just, like, a fun ride to get through, where <laughs> they are, like, the actual serious threat, but they're also just, like, awooing into the sky with tears, or, like, trying to find vengeance because his brother got him a teddy bear. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like, look, look at these oh, fucking no. fur. No, no, no. Under, to underline the teddy bear thing, it was a teddy bear they took while murdering a bunch of, like, innocent civilians. He's just, he's just telling this sweet story, and it's just like, killed They're these... killing dudes, and then he points and he's like, bring the teddy bear over here. <laughs> and hands it to his little brother. Oh, the fucking fake clan. Oh, never change. I'm going to mention two things. One is going to be, I think, the attack on Mamiya's village where we first get to fight Rao and Keno's army. That first Ken-Rao fight is just such utter glory, particularly the, the way that it ends, where it's no longer just neat fighting, it's just them punching at each other as like the blows knock off each other. That particular shot... Or like the shot where Ken is struggling to move, and again, it's it's what's like one of those those moments where it's like suddenly we're watching an OVA, and like the episode is suddenly just an OVA, and like you have like this ridiculously well drawn Ken struggling to save Toki. I think my favorite would probably have to be run congruent with yours, but for partially different reasons. I really like the the assault on Mamiya's village by, like, Rao and his forces. Less so because of the fight itself, but because of everything it sets up for the future of the series. Kinshiro is struggling the move, but one of the reasons why he finds the strength to move is because, um, spoilers. Lin is an important figure in, like, the destiny of Fist of the North Star. When such an important character tells you to get the fuck up. And, like, later on in the series, you find, like, the North Star is meant to be, like, a protector of, like, a, something called the Celestial Emperor. Lin has always had this, like, weird psychic connection to Kinshiro, where, like, he can low-key hear her calling out. Just like In a has, filler episode, even. Even in a filler episode, they remember this. And that's, like, really interesting. But, like, in that moment, the person who's egging Kinshiro to move is a fucking Celestial Emperor. And you can see that it's having an effect on him. And, like, there's this fight with Rao that's, like, a promise of, like, a fight to come and, like, just a setup of, like, this, like, neutral respect and, like, Rao's, like, pathos of, like, yo, I have to defeat you because after I defeat you, I can finally grasp heaven. Like, it, it's, like, his acknowledgement of, like, his brothers and his, like, path to conquest. Whereas before, like, um, in the, um, Cassandra arc, yeah. he was content to just be like, I'm going to let Toki just live out his days in this prison. But at this point, he's like, I have to defeat Toki. I have to defeat Kinshiro myself in order to, like, advance to, like, this messiah figure to, like, unite this world and, like, complete his destiny. Once you get past the, the like, Fang Clan arc, 
once you're getting into Cassandra and fighting Rao and, you know, the whole mythology of the Hokuto's succession, this starts to become not just this fighting anime, not the, just this Kung Fu plus Mad Max amalgamation, <laughs> but this is where Fist becomes, starts to become biblical. You have things that are just, that are happening, that are big, that have these metaphors inside them, that are... That you wouldn't understand, Rob. <laughs> this is where Fist becomes larger than light. In a way that I think a lot of shonen series never quite get to. You know, you have Goku becoming Super Saiyan. You have Naruto, like, unlocking would, his, his powers Sage. of the... No, yeah, I would Sage say, I would say the, the arrival the of Sage, Naruto, and yeah. Konoha is, like, the peak of the series. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But it's never, like, never feels like something that you would read out of an old, out of the Old Testament Bible. Whereas Fist, as Ken becomes the savior of Century's End and fights the Conqueror, it becomes something a lot more kind of pseudo-religious. Which is fitting for a world that's, like, rebuilding and, like, looking for heroes and, like... I mean, there's, there's something so Greek about it. Man, and then, <laughs> and, then, and then he's missing, like, the best part where we get to part three where we're in fucking Ashura. <laughs> I need to... God, I love Ashura. I, 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 I think I, I'll be I able to talk for talk. a half hour about I, the Han I, fight. I, I, I can, <laughs> I cannot spoil my love. Well, I already did spoil my love for Ashura, <laughs> but I can't go into detail on it. I have to save it. Okay, but the first twenty episodes is definitely like the hardest part. But afterwards, just it, it's all gas. But there's there's still some gems. Obviously, the them moving the jackal parts to where they are in the anime wasn't maybe the best decision, but the Jackal stuff is still... It's still the, it's yeah, a horror movie! It's, it's a horror movie where Kinshiro no. is the monster. You know what a horror movie is? <laughs> My boy Ray dying. Honestly, though, every time I watch that scene, I cry. I, I like Every time I'm like, yo, you're a man, you're gonna get through this, you can do this. Okay. <laughs> and, then the, and then he closes the door, and, then... and we get one of the best told recap episodes... As it's Ray looking back on everything that's led up to this. Yeah. And then he just dies in this house. And they burn he, it to the he ground. He doesn't want Mamiya to see it. Because he doesn't want the people he loves to see him in that state. Yeah. Yeah. It's this point where, you know, like, obviously we all know the trick to, you know, fist. Pressure point, you have X amount of time. And, you know, usually it's only a couple seconds. Rao, of course, being Rao makes a really fun choice to <laughs> gotta spread your name through terror. And you you basically make the people who actually had a shot at, like, resisting you, you give them, like, three days to survive. And let people see the terror and, like, the awfulness of their death. Yeah, because it will be a gruesome death. And it's one of those arcs where you have, like, a character who we do care about, who has been, like, Kenshiro's, like, best ally best friend slowly go towards his death and have to use his time to solve problems and meet death gracefully. Like I love how much of like Ray's final arc is just focused on the concept of beauty. Which gives us the villain of that arc, which is based on beauty and like having based this on beauty, yeah. Having this weird grudge because like for a moment, like this narcissistic person for a moment Saw Ray's fighting style while they were training and is like, this is true beauty. This is true beauty. And could not accept that within themselves. And was so in love with Ray afterwards. (laughs) He just didn't know how to handle that. (laughs) So obviously we're talking Fist Up a lot because it is a very good show and you should watch it. However, you know, I do like being critical of even things that I do actually love. 
So it is a show made in the early 80s, and there's a couple parts where it does show. Um, and, you know, in terms of, like, values. Particularly about, there's a kind of chauvinist aspect <laughs> to fists. It's like, okay, women can be cool. Women can be warriors. However, while they are cool warriors, they are not living their lives as women. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah, that's, like, the whole thing. I, I mean, we're talking about Mamiya here, where it's like, she's a cool warrior, got these killer yo-yos. You know, she'd probably be killer in a Beyblade fight. She'd let it rip. She'd probably have the coolest stepdad in town. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's like, after Ray gives his life up, it's basically, all right, Mamiya, you get to spend your life now as a woman. You Man. don't have to fight anymore. <laughs> like you get to spend your life as a woman. And it's, it's like, oh. Like, uh... It's like, it'd be cool if they didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but here's the thing is, like, they don't, it's not just Mamiya, like, there's also that filler girl, you know, who Ken is just like for someone to have to have the t- the <laughs> horror of sor- of soul succession sectionship, and is also a woman. What but, a great tragedy! And like the weird thing is, like, there's so many like the power of women moments in like later fists where it's like the only way to like actually like unlock the penultimate power is oh don't, oh, don't talk about how pog that moment was. It's it's to know the love of a woman. That's, like, the big but, thing. Rob, I can't talk about Ashura right now. I can't do it. <laughs> but, I can't do it. But fists allow women to be powerful. Like, we'll see that coming up even as early as part two. But it's always a power that has to be rooted within femininity. Yeah. And Mamiya is set up to fail. Like, oh, yeah, she can fight, but she's still largely useless because she's fighting as a woman. And that is a not great message. Also, yeah. part of the reason I did end up remember, remember to circle around to this kind of stuff is Yud is an interesting case. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, there's a there's a couple characters in Fist who are kind of, I would say, effectively transsexual clowns that, and that is by modern standards of how to treat trans or gender no, uh, non-conforming characters might rub people the wrong way. Yud really runs that thin line, too. Yeah, yeah but I, I agree, but Yuta's so cool. I mean, Yuta sticks the landing. I think the beginning of the Yuta arc oh, was like... Is rough. Is rough. Where we're basically seeing him enslave women. I, I think, like, when <laughs> it comes to... Collect beautiful things. I think when it comes to, like, feminist ideas in the 80s, Fist of the North Star gets a solid gold star that says you tried on it. <laughs> okay, I, I, guess, I guess one of the counterpoints I would like the sort of maybe ping this around and, like, as sort of, like, against its peers is Zetagun. Th- there's things that Tomino kind of gets weird and wrong about. <laughs> like, I don't want to talk about the women in Zetagun. <laughs> <laughs> there is some definite decisions with their character motivations at I mean, certain points. Rex- but, I mean, there's a there is a level to which... Oh, uh, you know I'm talking about Rekawa. <laughs> we are talking... But, like, as a counterpoint to, like, Rekawa, there is still Emma, who, who her ability to be a soldier is never really questioned. You know, Lena as well. You know, Jared's other... Mawa. Like, Gundam allows women to be soldiers. Like, obviously Tomino has... There's a point where Tomino is getting... Trying to talk about a woman's place in the world and some of the things a woman needs to do to survive, some of which are not pleasant. 
I, I still say Zeta gets a gold you tried star, too. <laughs> you tried. But, but, <laughs> Zeta Gundam is sort of like the alternate point where it got got a bit closer than in certain ways than Fist does, I think. Okay, so this has been Zero Points Articulated. You can follow us online at zeropointsarticulated.com. And you can send us an email at zeropointsarticulated at gmail.com. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Um, we'll definitely be back next month. Uh, with <laughs> definitely. Don't go too. No, no, we're definitely going to be back next month. And there is like a 60% chance we'll be talking about live. Zero Points Articulated is distributed by Anchor, audio engineering, and co-directed by James Morales, produced and co-directed by Robert Marchant, episode composition and editing by Amy Lepresti, and along with the usual suspects and contributors, Brendan Buck and Eric Deline.